Hey, this is John. Let's Talk Native is now on Patreon. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash letstalknative. We will be producing exclusive content for our Patreon supporters. Thanks for checking us out. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. We highlight the voices of Native activists, writers, poets, artists, thinkers, and musicians who are fighting for the rights of Indigenous people all over Turtle Island. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. In this moment of historical change and social justice, our voices matter now more than ever before. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Say it with John Kane here. Apples, pretendians, and mascots. Yeah, I know it's a strange bunch of words here, but I'll talk about it and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Hey, uh, this week I did something I haven't done since March. I traveled. I, I left this area, and that's why I'm wearing a mask today. So for those who are watching the show, not just hearing the show, and maybe it sounds a little different too, but I am wearing a mask today because I'm sharing this space with uh, with, with my producer, Jake. And um, I did travel out of the area. I didn't travel out of the state. I went to the eastern part of the state, and I uh, spoke at my old high school about their mascot because they are called the Cambridge Indians and it, it it made me think a little bit about what I wanted to talk about today but you know let me start by talking about you know what I what I did uh what the evening was like so this was a school board meeting um and they do them in, per- in person they um, are, they hold them in the gym and then they've got social distancing. And so only 50 people can attend the, uh, the school board meeting beyond the, uh, uh, board members and the administrators and the superintendent. So, um, they filled up the room, uh, with their, with 50 people, but, and they also, um, arranged seats in the auditorium, uh, for the overflow crowd. I don't know how many people were in that that room, but so they could they could listen to what was happening there. Um, it was known that I was coming. I wasn't on their agenda, although I had requested to be on the agenda. Um, but it was known that I was going to be there. Some media outlets, including the uh, NPR or the public radio station, which which covers North Country to you know New England. I mean, it, it covers a big part of the area in Albany and around. I mean, it's it's. Uh, they have like four different, uh, four or five different uh, frequencies that they broadcast on. So that was WAMC. Um, if you go to WAMC and search Cambridge Indians, you can find the uh, the piece that was done. Uh, I gave an interview for that. So it was known. Now, I will say, like much of rural New York, uh, Cambridge is Trump country. Not saying that there aren't some, you know, some Biden fans out there and some independents, but... 
there were a lot of uh, a lot of Trump flags out there. I suspect the uh, because this, this mascot issue falls along political lines <laughs> for for whatever reason. So if you're a Trump fan, you probably think that it's fine to have um, uh, you know a native mascot. So I suspect many of the people who um, who want to keep the Indians mascot at my old high school. Um, don't listen to public radio. <laughs> they, they probably listen to Rush Limbaugh and company. So, uh, um, but uh, but again, it drew a pretty good crowd. I was well received by the superintendent and the uh, the board president. We had some dialogue early on. In fact, you know, I was even given the heads up that there um, there was a pretty good indication there was going to be uh, a, a fair number of locals that were going to show up. Now. After I had initiated not only the call, and I did a change.org petition, and I think about 500 people have signed on to that, and you can find that on my group page as well. Um, and I posted a few things on, on Facebook, on my, my, class, my high school, you know, class of 78 uh, group page. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 I did all this stuff. Um, so it was it was kind of known that that I was going out there uh, out there to do this at some point and and I did commit to doing this now. Now after I did that, I was contacted by a couple of people and and a group that is kind of a, they call themselves I don't know what their official name is and and I apologize for that, but they call themselves a a social justice group and they you know have been active with things like Black Lives Matter and a few things and 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 to be clear, Cambridge is really really white. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not a whole lot of people of color. The only people of color who were at this board meeting was me and three other people who are native. And we'll, I'll get into that a little bit, but, uh, it was, it's, it's, it's a really, really white town, not saying exclusively. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of color, you know, in, in the town, but they weren't at this meeting. Um, but so the social justice group, you know, they, they are concerned about things like environmental stuff and, you know, and a lot of things like that. They reached out to me, um, and, you know, and, and had submitted some letters, um, made some public statements. They, they helped me out with some of the local media, but they did not enlist me to go out there. They, frankly, they didn't even know who I was until, until they saw some of the things that I had posted. So I did have some support out there. You know, so this wasn't me just throwing myself into the lion's den and nor was it me depending on the graciousness of, you know, of whichever board members, superintendent, president, or whoever else is on that board. And they only have a five person board, by the way. Um, but it seems like I, my, my message was well received and I, and I did read a statement and, you know, it's only a couple of minutes long. So maybe I'll, I'll start. This is I had sent a previous email requesting to be on the agenda, which they didn't put me on the agenda, but they did tell me they have um, two periods of public comment and they would allow me to speak in the first public uh, comment section and then speak again afterwards. So my, my strategy was I was going to read a prepared statement. And then um, after listening to some of the public comments from other people, I would uh, speak, um, use another five minutes at the end. So this was my, my statement. And um, like, I, I apologize if, um, <laughs> If I struggle a little bit, my glasses seem to fog up when I'm wearing a mask, so uh, I'll go ahead. My name is John Kane. I attended Cambridge Central School from the third grade until completing high school and graduating in 1978. I was active 
well-liked by my fellow students and faculty, and I genuinely enjoyed my years in this school and as a part of this community. I come here today, again, to be active, but not necessarily well-liked. I am here to ask the superintendent and board to take action to remove the school's race-based nickname and mascot, and that is Indians. I am native, Mohawk, or Gunyagahaga to be more accurate. For several of my years at Cambridge Central School, my family was one of only two families in the district that were native. The boys from the other family were some of my closest friends growing up and ultimately would become um, family when I married their cousin. My wife is actually related to these guys. Uh, those boys were our Onondaga. They moved away before high school, coming back years later, but leaving me and my siblings as the only native students in the school calling themselves the Indians. Now, to be clear, I was never bullied, abused, or traumatized in any real way by having my culture and ancestry mocked by the school using a native reference or image for their mascot. Sure, I was called Chief, Wapu, or even Pocahontas on occasion, but it was all in good fun. There was that one time, however, back in fourth grade when I got in trouble for ripping the back of Lori Van Dusen's dress, chasing after her for teasing me with one little, two little, three little Indians. But that probably had nothing to do with the school mascot and everything to do with being the only real Indian she had ever seen. It's funny, but now at 60 years old, I still remember all this. But none of my personal feelings and experiences from Cambridge are the reason I am asking for the name change. The bottom line is that schools colleges, and even pro sports teams using a race-based name or image for their name or brand, it's wrong. Native people are the most marginalized people in the United States, yet they are almost singularly used and mocked for the amusement and entertainment of others through these mascots and logos. Schools are supposed to be institutions of learning, and that responsibility requires truth, honesty, and accuracy. Schools are also supposed to be safe spaces, free from racial profiling, stereotyping, and free from promoting discrimination and free from mocking anyone's culture or heritage. Throughout the region, state, country, and even the world, the trend is clear. While over 2,000 schools in the U.S. still use native mascots and images for their amusement, that number is dropping all the time. Even the Washington NFL team, whose owner vowed never to change that name, dropped the racial slur this year. We live in charged times. There's an awakening across the U.S. over systemic racism that has actually sped up the rate that schools are dropping native mascots. And not just names like Redskins, Savages, Red Raiders, and Squaws. Those aren't the only ones being dropped. Arrows, Tomahawks, Warriors, Braves, and Indians are being retired also. And why? No, it's not because the political correctness run amok. No, it's not about being snowflakes or oversensitive or flaming liberals. The problem is that schools are promoting false stereotypes and narratives about a specific group of people. And that is a disservice to the Native people as well as to everyone who experiences this practice. I have heard people claim that mascots honor Native people. They don't. I've heard that removing these mascots is erasure. It isn't. In fact, it is the names, mascots, and stereotypes used that are the erasure. The famed American author of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, L. Frank Baum, advocated the extermination of all Native people. To explain his views on the subject, he said, Why not annihilation? Their glory has fled. Their spirit is broken. Their manhood effaced. Better that they die than live the miserable wretches that they are. History would forget these later despicable beings and speak in later ages of the glory of these grand kings of the forest and plain that Cooper loved to heroism.
This sentiment lies at the foundation of the use of native mascots. Baum said, eliminate us, exterminate us. And then let the likes of James Fenimore Cooper and others reinvent us as heroes, grand kings of the forest and plain. Bury who you really perceive us to be, ignore our present, dismiss our future, but recreate the past and claim it for yourselves. Are native people who really your grand kings of the forest, your noble savages, your brave warriors? No, of course not. Thomas Jefferson called us merciless Indian savages in the U.S. Declaration of Independence. You massacred our people, buried us in mass graves, ripped our children away to kill the Indian, save the men, Indian boarding schools. This is not mascot material, so you erased it. You created something more to your liking. And while native kids were beaten, tortured, and even killed in those government-funded and church-run boarding schools for speaking their language and desperately clinging to some semblance of their culture, white kids could smear their mom's makeup on their face for war, point, war paint and play Indian right alongside their parents at high school football games. Mascots are in no way representations of real native people. They are made-up images, names, and mockeries of who we are or were. These are attempts to erase us. They dehumanize us even as they cast us as relics of the past. Why would non-native schools or people involved with them use a people, for, uh, use a people that their founding fathers and historical figures committed such atrocities against? Why would they use them for mascots? It's because the truth is erased and how we were really viewed and treated is ignored. Revisionist history reinvents a more satisfying narrative, a romantic image, and that becomes what you aspire to be with your mascots and nicknames. You are the Indians, not me. You honor yourselves with these images, not me. If you truly respected Native people, you would teach the truth. You would stop mocking our past, ignoring our present, and dismissing our future. You would stop promoting an identity, an identity you created and allow us the dignity to define ourselves. Oh, and one more obvious problem is that we are not Indians. That too is a mistake and all part of the Columbus myth, another false narrative schools have been invested in for far too long. This issue has been studied. The psychological damage is well documented. This practice violates the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, the New York State Dignity for All Students Act. And the sad part is Cambridge is better than this. It's past time for this change. There's no shame in righting a wrong. But clinging to it and fighting the change to the bitter end can only bring harm to the school and the community's reputation. Some schools have spent millions fending off lawsuits, fines, and challenges. Most don't. But even those that do all change the name eventually. For you, the question is, do you change it now and stand on the right side of history and this issue? Or do you dig in for a longer fight that will ultimately cast this community in a bad light? Change the name. Thank you. So that was the statement that I read. And, and it, it, it really, there wasn't a noisy crowd. Nobody clapped and nobody booed. There was none, none of that stuff. Um, but then, as I mentioned, there, were another, uh, there was another family there. And um, those boys that I talked about, those Anavaga uh, boys who were men, they're my age and older, um, they were there and they spoke. Uh, and one of their children spoke. And they lived there. They moved back, like I said, after graduation, and they had their kids, and their kids played for their football teams and stuff like that. And, and frankly, they love being the Indians. They, 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 they almost look at themselves as that Indian in the logo. I mean, they, they are essentially the mascots for the school for all intents and purposes. 
So that's why I want to talk about apples, pretendians, and mascots. Now, I want to be clear here. I don't question somebody's ancestry. If somebody tells me that they have, you know, that their great-grandmother was a Cherokee princess, you know, the Cherokee princess thing is kind of tough. But I, I, don't, I don't necessarily, um, at face value, call, you know, believe that, they're, that they're, they don't have any native ancestries. I, I more likely just believe that they probably don't, but maybe they were told so, and, and maybe they do. I don't question that. Now, there are people who have, uh, and this whole pretendians thing, uh, that's kind of a Jackie Keeler thing. And she's, she has done a lot on this and I encourage you to check out some of, you can find her on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, this isn't a subject that I do a, a great deal with. And, and part of it is because I do get frustrated on the conversation about blood quantum and who is Indianer than the other guy and that kind of stuff. But having said that, <laughs> I, I have to acknowledge that there are people like Elizabeth Warren who may have been told that she was native and may, you know, did a DNA test and apparently she has some traces of, of native ancestry. Um, but she filled out a couple of forms where she claimed to be Native American. She was actually listed at, at Harvard, I believe, um, as a minority because of her claim to being Native American. That is what the pretendian thing is. When, when people use this, this myth that they are somehow native that they are a native person now and i gotta tell you in my view there is a difference between somebody who is a native person and somebody who has native ancestry now i i know this sounds like semantics but if you have some connection not just some <laughs> some level of blood quantum that that's not to me what what determines somebody's um status with as, as a native person it's your relationship. It's your, it's your family. It's, it's how you're connected to native territories, native culture, native issues. Now, I don't need to get into a debate about, about my, my native stripes, so to speak. But, but clearly, I live on native territory. I'm a part of a native community. I am involved in native issues. I have a, a, a more above average understanding of native culture. Um, and I'm, I don't necessarily think I'm an expert on everything, although I have been called by courts to testify as an, as an expert, um, an expert witness. Uh, but if, if you just believe that somebody told you in your family that you, that you have native, a native ancestry, in fact, one of the friends that I met when I went back home, you know, somebody I went to school with, she said you know, she was always told that, she, that they had native ancestry. Finally, she did a DNA test and found out she didn't have any. It turns out that her her, uh, her grandparents or grandmothers or somebody on her mother line um, uh, was a midwife, as as she is, and and they may have delivered babies, and and maybe there was some you know connection there that w was kind of embellished a little bit. But many people, and in fact, a, lo a lot of people who, who are um, uh, descendants of African slaves. I believe that they have native ancestry, and when, then when then when they do a DNA test, they find out eh, not so much. So, I mean, it is, uh, it is what it is. You know, if, if somebody believes that they are native, they've told they were, native, they were native and they have native ancestry or whatever else, like I said, it's not up to me to do some sort of pedigree test for somebody. But I do draw a distinction between somebody who claims to have native ancestry and somebody who is active in or with, a, uh, with other native people. Now, 
that's not to say that if you live off native territory that you can't be that that you you somehow lose your native stripes I, i'm i'm not even suggesting that but there, there's a word that we that we use i, I don't use it often but the, the the word apple is is oftentimes associated not with necessarily pretendians you know white people who who believe and claim that they're native people but people who are clearly native people who have no connection to, to other native people you know uh, and, and i don't mean they're not related i mean they don't they they have never lived or they they rarely ever go to a native territory they're not involved in native issues they they basically chose to live amongst white people and that's the life that they 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 chose now and oftentimes you know what what really gets cast as the designation of an apple is somebody who who advocates against native people so yeah they're native and they look native and all that stuff but they seem to they're trumpers you know they're um they're the pro mascot crowd they are you know they're the ones who you know what was the name of that school where the where the kid uh, uh um sandman i think his name nicholas sandman or nathan no nick, nick sandman yeah this the kid who who w confronted uh this um uh um nathan well now i can't remember his name but uh nathan phillips uh, in front of the, the the lincoln memorial i mean they went down and then they stood with covington catholic school some of these guys whether they're really native or not or pretending but some of these guys you know, were actually standing in support with with nick sandman and even if you don't completely agree with with what nathan phillips did and i'm one of those people i certainly wasn't going to stand with the uh, you know with these arrogant you know white supremacist schoolboys. but see that's that's what i'm talking about there are people who are native uh and have native ancestry and and may have had connections to native people but but always seem to take the opposite side. They will go into a community to advocate, you know, the the, the positions of white people, and those are the people who get who get called apples. Now, having said that, I am not going to flat out say that my uh, wife's cousins, who uh, who I get a chance to see out in, in Cambridge, I'm not calling them apples um, directly or definitively. But I will say that they love being the Cambridge Indians, not just the you know uh, participants in the school, but they love the the being special as as native people. And, and let me and let me address that a little bit. If you live in a city and you're native, there's nothing you, you don't feel special about that. You're just another person of color there. But when you're a native person and you move to a very, very white community and you bring something to the white community, perhaps some athletic skills or something else that the community embraces, oftentimes you're looked at as a bit of a novelty. And, you know, and I know when I moved out to Cambridge in the third grade, I mean, everybody thought it was cool that I was native. I moved out of Albany because my father was a high steel worker in the city. And there... Black people thought we were white, and white people knew we weren't knew we weren't white, and and they treated us as as such. So, moving to this to this little quaint little village in eastern New York, not far from Saratoga, and all of a sudden people embraced you, and they said, "Oh, that's neat." And you know, and of course, if you could run a little faster, or you could throw a little farther, or you could maybe punch a little harder. You were they said, "Oh, that's because you're Indian," and that that's not true, but that's that's the way it was it was perceived. So my friends who live there um, very much advocate to keep the name. 
in spite of the fact that the nations that they come from, Onondaga and, uh, and, and their father was Oneida, the nations they come from have clearly advocated against Native mascots. The United Nation, the Onondaga Nation, Grand Council, every nation has advocated against it. But these guys like this, this special feeling. And, and, and I think this is where lines get crossed. Now, look, I don't hate these people, you know, because they are pro mascot. I, I don't. And, and in fact, it was, it was actually good to see them. One of them actually came up and was friendly and, and, and talked to me. I mean, a kid that I grew up with my whole life, basically. Um, uh, the others kind of stayed away. They, they probably didn't want to be seen in, with their crowd peering at them as somebody who would, uh, you know, who would actually socialize with me. But I made it clear that they're re we're related now. <laughs> um, but so I went out, I, I, this is what I did on Thursday. And, you know, and so I was a long road trip out there. It's like a, almost a six hour drive. Um, and it's beautiful out there, but there's nothing that connects that community to native people. There are, I mean, in fact, if you ask anybody there, who are the native people who are displaced from this area? They couldn't even tell you. I mean, and, and I honestly couldn't tell you either. I grew up there because it was never discussed. It wasn't taught. And as a Mohawk, I think, I think that we, we were everywhere. So I, I considered it Mohawk territory, Gunyogahaga territory. Uh, but, you know, some people say that it was Skatacoke. Some people say that it was, you know, some other, um, you know, Mohican or Algonquin tribe or whatever. I don't know for sure. Don't know for sure. But nobody there bothered to find out. They're going to call themselves the Indians, but they weren't going to bother finding out who the real native people were. <laughs> and which, which kind of goes to the problem. And... So when you go there and you're and you and you clearly look native the way you know my friends do, um, and you you go there and then you you represent yourself and and one of the guys even said his father was a chief, and he wasn't. I mean I knew his father. I mean I was there when the days his father passed away. I mean these I was close with these guys, but they chose that life. They actually lived on the Oneida territory for a couple of years, but they chose to, to live that life where when I was introduced to my wife by these guys, I chose to live as a native person in native territories. And, and look, and, and I've been involved in native issues, you know, since my twenties, not so much before that, but this is where I gained my knowledge, you know, as not just, I didn't gain it through my wife, but this is, that was all part of the path that I went on. Not the path that they went on. They're, they're comfortable living amongst a, a, a very, very white community where they somehow get adored for, for agreeing with them that being had the school calling themselves the Indians is appropriate. So, um, but this is, this is where this idea of apples and pretendians um, and mascots, they kind of, they, they all come together. You know, I, I told the school board that they're, that every native organization, every legitimate native organization has advocated for against these, uh, uh, these school mascots and, you know, college mascots and pro mascots, all, all of it. And then every once in a while, somebody says, well, what about that organization that calls themselves the Native American Guardians Association? This is a group of people, predominantly apples or pretendians. I mean, nobody who has close ties to a native community. Uh, you know, the one guy who's a big part of it is this Mark One Wolf Yancey. And this is a guy who's claimed to be like three or four different uh, territories. And he's not an enrolled member in anything, any of them, although I hate that expression. Um, and, 
and I don't know if he's native at all or not. I mean, I, I heard he was, you know, might have been Japanese and might have been, uh, and he clearly uh, is, is mixed race. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's been a, a Washington football fan. They, all these, these guys got to be crushed because Washington, Washington changed their name. But these guys have, this organization only has one goal. It's to advocate for, for, uh, for native mascots. That's not a native organization. And it's not one that is recognized by any other native organization as a native organization. It is really just an advocacy group for native mascots. And they, I mean, their MO is completely aligned with pretendians, uh, apples, and, and mascots. Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll, we'll take a break when we come back. But I want to I go a little farther on this. And I want, I, I just want people to understand that to look at native people as a, as a monolith is tough, but it, it becomes even more tough when you realize that there, uh, that there's this fringe element that either has left, <laughs> left the group of native people or are trying like hell to, to be a part of it when they're not. But um, we'll, we'll talk about that more when we come back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Um, look, uh, let me give a shout out to my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, and the folks at Grand River Enterprises. And I want to thank those of you who, who contribute to the show when you do, however you do. Uh, I still want to recommend that the, the people check out our um, uh, our presence on Patreon, patreon.com slash Let's Talk Native. There you can support the show um and we will produce and we are in the process of producing some special content some exclusive content for our patreon subscribers so um look we, we appreciate the help it helps us do what we do here and even do things like travel which is again the reason i'm wearing a mask today is because i was around people that i'm not normally around and although everybody was pretty good about wearing masks um, you know, coming back here and, you know, being around my family and, you know, and Jake here in studio, um, it only makes sense for me to be a little cautious. The COVID stuff is going crazy. And if you, if you don't know that, I don't know how you don't know, but, uh, it is, the numbers are, are terrible. And actually in this area or the area of Western New York that our territory here is, is, you know, surrounded by are the worst numbers in the state. In fact, the number of new cases in Erie County, or in Western New York, I should say, but in Erie, Erie County specifically, are as high as any of the counties in the New York area, including, you know, Queens County, Kings County, all of it. And the, the fraction uh, or the size of the population is a fraction of any of those counties. So it, it, it's not going well. Um, I do expect some things to get uh, get a little little dicey here going forward. So. Um, I don't expect to do all the shows wearing a mask, but this one, uh, I decided I would wear one. So if it sounds a little different, if you're, you're if you're seeing it, you can see the mask, but if it, if it sounds a little different, that's why. So anyway, um, okay. So, uh, I thought the evening went well out there in, in Cambridge and, and I thought we were heard well. I almost got the impression that the school board 
is like with other schools is is looking for help they know they've got to change it why do they have why do they know this well a couple of reasons one the like i said the trend is clear schools are changing them all over the place and uh and and frankly there are if not laws there are policies and there are you know any number of uh, conventions and you know civil rights human rights anti-bullying um uh, statutes that are out there that this thing certainly skirts around. I mean, if you are using a race-based mascot for your school and you are, as Cambridge is, trying to tackle racial equity issues, it makes it a little hypocritical not to, not to address the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Uh, so um, I think most schools, school boards anyway, most, when they look at this, they know that it's an issue they have to confront. But they also know that people get really impassioned about it. I mean, when, when I see white people just just almost tearing up, and I saw one guy at this board meeting saying, I'm a Cambridge Indian and I'm always going to be a Cambridge Indian. But even one of the native guys, the, the son of one of the guys I was talking about, he gets up there and, and his identity is more connected to this mascot in the school than any of his ancestors, even though his father, very, very native looking, he's on a dog uh, on his mother's side and he's uh, Oneida on his father's side. He's as, as dark skinned, as native looking as anybody could be. And, and while, you know, these guys might wear some turquoise or some wampum around their neck or, or you, know, you know, wampum belt chokers and stuff like that, they aren't a part of the Oneida territory or the Onondaga territory. They, they are, they're just not connected. So, but when I, so when I see both people who, who I know genuinely have native ancestry uh, or even enrolled, if you want to call that, or recognized as Onondagas, or if you will, but they are more connected to a, the school mascot in the community that, they're, that they live in than their own culture. Man, that's, that's it's, it's kind of sad. It's sad. And, and of course, these schools they search out i mean if they don't have a native person in, in their community that they can lift up as their you know their their token indian or redskin or warrior or savage or whatever whatever their mascot name is they'll find some they'll they'll find this native american guardians association group they'll they'll bring in fact lancaster when we we battled this at in, at lancaster high school here in western new york um they flew in two guys you know they're they're their booster club or whatever, whoever paid for it, they, you know, might have just been some individuals. They they flew in this Mark One Wolf <laughs> Yancey. It's about a fake as native person as you're ever going to see. They flew him in and some other guy, his name was Joe Milk. Oh, and they they boasted on on Facebook how they were going to confront me and they were going <laughs> to they were going to really shut me down. Well, Lancaster changed their uh, changed their uh, their mascot, uh, you know, within a couple of months after that, within a couple of months, and they didn't. In fact, I shamed them. I said, you know, it is an absolute offense to people living in a native area that any native person or person claiming to be native would come into their community to side with the white people against them. And and look. The Cambridge issue, issue is a little different. I went to that community. Like, I graduated there. I went to school there. And while I won't suggest that my voice 
should be more important than the voice of the uh, of the native the couple of native people who live there who are you know so endeared by that community my voice aligns with National Congress of American Indian, USAID, uh, Native American Journalists Association, every Native territory, every Native organization across the U.S. and Canada, the, the, the AFN, every organization has come out against this. And here's the reason why. It's because it ignores who we are. You know, most of these schools, even schools with Native mascots, still teach Indians as a period of history. The one that ends once the period of discovery is talked about. It's, it, it's, you know, they, they teach history in periods. So when you teach a people as a, as a period, what you're suggesting is that we cease to exist. Or <laughs> that we cease to exist as those people anymore. Which is kind of what Al Frank Baum was advocating. You know, we'll just, we'll pretend, we'll either exterminate him, which he advocated for, and if you can't exterminate them physically, you exterminate them um, through, through erasure. You know, er erasure isn't the same thing as, as extermination. Erasure is like, uh, I'm not going to acknowledge you. You know, we've put you out of, out of, our, uh, out of our line of sight. And you don't rec represent a significant population. You have no political power. You, you know, you're... You're marginalized. You know it. We know it. In fact, we made you that way. So we don't have to respect you. And, and if we're going to take an image from you, we're going to claim it. So when I see, see people go, you know, go to a board meeting, white people crying. And I saw this in Lancaster and I, and I saw it in Cambridge. You know, people tearing up about this notion that, that they're Indians and nobody can say that they're not. You know, and, and that somehow I'm the mean guy. I'm the mean guy who's going to go into their community and take something from these white people. Yeah, I'm the native guy that's going to go in there and take something from them. That's literally the way it gets, it gets presented. And, 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 and this, the, the worst part about it is Cambridge is a pretty nice place. I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I enjoyed going to school there. I mean, I, like I said, when I say I was an active student, I was involved in all kinds of things. And my personality, my, my skill sets, even, even doing this, and look, I, I was involved in theater there. I was a, a part of a, of a, a real burgeoning theater program at Cambridge. And that probably allows me to do this kind of thing, you know, speak on, on microphone, speak on camera. So look, I, I enjoyed that experience and, and I enjoyed most of the people there. I never viewed Cambridge as being redneck. I mean, in fact, we used to, <laughs> I'm not saying it was fair, but we used to refer to the, to the Vermonters as woodchucks. <laughs> we, we thought that we were you know, sophisticated. And, and look, we knew that there was, there was farm communities, and I don't necessarily always associate farmers with being rednecks. I don't. I mean, uh, but I thought that we were fairly progressive. I was surprised to drive out there and see, um, keep in mind, the election was over a week ago, <laughs> but to, to drive out there and still see Trump flags flying all over the place, yeah, and including flying at the business of these native guys <laughs> that, that uh, you know that were speaking at uh, um, at this board meeting, yeah, big Trump flags across their their place of business, and you know, so I was surprised to see it that it turned that way. 
you know, I, I guess a couple of the, the state assembly or the state legislators that in the area are, are Republicans and that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not, again, not trying to play their poly, party politics. I, I guess I was just surprised because I always thought that Cambridge was, was fairly progressive. Not so much. But I will say that I did get a sense from, from board members and, uh, and school administrators that they were at least not so backwards in their, in their thinking politically or socially and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> in fact, um, today they were supposed to have a retreat for the board to meet with somebody on racial equity. Uh, that's, they're, they're trying to uh, address racial equity issues. And, and I got the distinct impression from the superintendent that my coming there and raising this issue was very timely because they know that their mascot issue is connected to this issue of racial equity. And, you know, so, so they know it. But, um, you know, so, so as far as the, the interaction with the board, I thought it went well. Now, as I said, it, it was a full house, and most of the people in that room were, um, were very, very pro-mascot. But as I, as I mentioned earlier, there was a, a, a group of, that, uh, of people in that area who had connected with me once I had published and po posted uh, some comments about coming out there who, uh, who did stand up and speak. I, in fact, I would say that there were, many, there were as many of us speaking against keeping that mascot as those who were speaking for it. So as far as the you know time goes, and all of us who spoke about removing the mascot were much more um, articulate than those who didn't. Um, most of them babbled on about how proud they were to be Indian Cambridge Indians, and 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 of course they, they went on to say we never perceived it as something derogatory, and and I never said that it, I never said that it was. I never said that my experience there was you know that again that I was bullied or that I felt the mascot was an insult. I never called down. I did say the word is wrong. The idea of referring to us as Indians is wrong. And, and you know, I, as I said in my statement, and, and, I, and, and I discussed that. But I never said that the community in any way, shape, or form spoke in a derogatory fashion about Native people. But they created that stereotype. And that stereotype is false. I didn't say it was mean. I didn't say it was derogatory. I just said it's false, and it is false. And, of course, the idea of creating this image, and, and of course, they always say, oh, I thought it represented pride and integrity and, you know, and toughness and honor and, you know, and all this truthfulness as people got up there and lied. Um, and, they, and, of course, none of that stuff, it, it's a picture. It's a cartoon picture of a Native person. The same one that... 20 other schools in the area use. It's not the Plains Indian headdress anymore. They think that they've, that they've improved and they've become more politically correct because then rather than this Plains Indian headdress that one of the guys got up there and said how much he loved, by the way, um, this beautiful, plain, full headdress, oh, it was so my favorite thing, and then the, they changed it on the gym floor. He seemed to be pining about that. So they did change it. So it's not the Plains Indian headdress uh, stereotype anymore. Now it's the Woodlands Indian, it's, it's like a the, one of the guys from the last of the Mohicans or something like that. So because they change what stereotypical image they used, they think they think that they've accomplished something. And but but the fact of the matter is, it's it's teaching ch children, even at the younger ages, it's teaching children that that's what an Indian is. Oh yeah, and that and that family that that comes in that we, that we love so much, 
It doesn't address, look, most never learn a damn thing about the contemporary issues that native people face. And in fact, if they spend any time talking about native people beyond that period before discovery, how did they do it? Well, the, maybe they'll talk about Jim Thorpe or Billy Mills. Why? Because they won gold medals for the United States. Or they'll talk about Ira Hayes because he's one of the, the, the um, enlisted men that lifted the flag at Iwo Jima. Or they'll, they'll talk about some other native person who's done some great contribution to, to American exceptionalism. They never talk about native people who stood against and fought against the, the United States or, or, or who lay their lives on the line to defend against an, an environmental degradation or, you know, or development on native terrorists fighting for their lands. Look, we, you listen to the show. We talk about a wide variety of native issues, everything from what we do to sustain ourselves, like the, the, the fishermen up in Mi'kmaq territory. Or the folks at Landback Lane fighting to, to, to keep urban sprawl from coming onto their, uh, or suburban sprawl, I should say, from coming onto, the, onto their lands. Uh, or the folks out in Wet'suwet'en territory who are trying to stop a pipeline from going through their territory. Or the Dakota Access Pipeline. These are the issues we talk about. We talk about missing and murdered indigenous women. Not some, some treachery from the past, but the stuff that's going on today. And nobody teaches that. There's not a person in that room who knew about residential schools. There's certainly not a person in that room who knew that a week before Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, that an execution took place by his order the day after Christmas in Mankato, Minnesota. There wasn't a person in that room who understood, uh, you know, what that George Washington, you know, advocated uh, uh, that uh, that. Seneca's needed to be uh, know the terror of their chastisement for daring to stand up up to the United States, spreading into their territories. No, none of this stuff is taught. You know, Jefferson and um, and some of his racist comments about Native people and and how the Louisiana Purchase wasn't just this great land deal where the where the United States <clears throat> gained territory from the French. No, but that it was this whole idea that that's where you're going to push the Native people to. That's none of that stuff is taught. So none of that history is, is, is explained going all the way up through. None of that history. And certainly none of the present, none of our present circumstances are ever, ever talked about. The, the problems that we've had with, not just with boarding schools, but with adoptions and, and foster care, <clears throat> alcoholism that was, you know, that was introduced to our territories, drug uh, um, dealing that was introduced into our territories. You know, but this is the stuff that nobody talks about the poverty that was was inflicted on our territories as a part of U.S. policy. None of that stuff is talked about. And if you did talk about that stuff, as I said earlier, we are not the people you would want to use as mascots. So in order for you to use us as mascots, you got to pretend none of that stuff happened. And nobody ever explains, well, what happened to those people? If, if we are the Cambridge Indians... What happened to the Cambridge Indians? Oh, no, there are no Cambridge Indians. Where are the Cambridge Indians? That's literally the way they address it. They don't address the fact that there were Native people displaced from that area or why or how it happened. And, and I don't just blame this on social studies. You know, what I heard one of the students said that, that their English teacher, you know, somebody who should know something because you would think an English teacher who's also usually involved with literature would know something. Just, well, I don't understand what the problem is with calling, you know, being called the, the Cambridge Indians. So when a teacher says that, instead of being open-minded, and keep in mind, schools should not be teaching 
stereotypes. They should not be teaching that level of discrimination. They should not be profiling what a native person is or, or teaching their, their student body this, this canned version of what a native person is. That, that almost by, by definition is discrimination. And you know what? Here's, here's the other thing. Let me explain. Discrimination isn't just the idea of condemning somebody for, for being different. Discrimination can go the other way. So if you feel special because you have native ancestry and that school is appropriated that ancestry and that culture for their mascot, if you feel special or if you're treated special, that too is discrimination. So if you are a family, a native family in a school and, and you are somehow just praised, I, one person got up and says, well, if the Hanyos uh, are against this thing, then we should change it. Well, the, the fact that I was there saying it should be changed, my voice didn't matter. Only theirs did. See, that, that is the problem. There is, there is no racial equity in that conversation. So as Cambridge approaches this, and many other schools that are, that are in the throes of this, uh, this debate, they have to ignore this notion of racial equity. They have to ignore the fact that uh, using a people, a living, breathing people, not a people who are gone, even though you're treating us that way, or that represent only a historical figure, but, it, but this idea that you could treat a people as if we are that, we're gone, we're, we're inanimate, we're inhuman. We're, this is dehumanizing, right? This is this, this notion that we're gonna, we're just gonna use you for our entertainment. And then we're going to claim your identity. That's, that's what's at play here. So I do get asked the question oftentimes, why is this such a big deal? That's what we're asked. Why is it a big deal? Well, I'll tell you why it's a big deal. <laughs> because these schools are charged with, with educating kids. And this is miseducation. This is wrong. I mean, there's a lot of problems with, with school curricula, but the areas that are the worst are literature because it's always, it's, uh, it's very often so white centric that nobody can get a sense for, for the rest of the world. I knew people who grew up in Cambridge who never saw a black person until they were adults. Didn't even know what a black person was. <clears throat> and I say that, of course, that seems absurd now because you know, because of internet and television and, you know, and, and, and so much of the, the entertainment culture. But I'm, you know, I'm going, I'm going back into the sixties when, when not everybody was so constricted by, or, 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 or so inundated with, you know, with, with information from, you know, computers or television or radio. I mean, the, <clears throat> there was, a, you would actually get into a debate on, <clears throat> if you heard a song on the radio, is that a black person or is that a white person? I mean, because you didn't know. <clears throat> so anyway, that's how these towns and, you know, and, and again, uh, the experience that we had in Lancaster, I mean, some of those people, I mean, they, there was people threatening bodily harm. There was vandalism that took place because people get so impassioned about this. So, as I said, I know that these school boards and these school administrations, even if the, even if the, the faculty hasn't gotten there yet. By the, by the way, one other person who spoke at that school board meeting was a, uh, was a gym teacher, a former gym teacher. She was a, actually, she was a gym teacher when I was in school there. She stands up and she was uh, just criticizing the school board 
and was really going after these um, the mask issue and, and the and the, and the COVID protocols. She literally said at a school board meeting that she believed COVID was being spread by masks. These are educators are saying this kind of crap. I mean, that's how delusional some of these people can be. So when you ask, why is this a big deal? Because it is hard to talk about any of the issues, any of the social issues regarding Native people if the vast majority of people don't even acknowledge that we exist anymore or that we exist only as mascots. And there are those people who think that if you take us, if you strip away those Native mascots, that somehow we become less relevant. Like somehow being a mascot is relevant. I mean, it, it, it is that level of absurdity. So there is a connection to, to people who have Native ancestry and mascots if, if, that's, if that's the only identity that they have left. And there is a connection there. And, you know, and, and even, you know, I mentioned pretendians and these people who, who claim to be Native when they're not. Look, I have a lot more respect for, for people who will align themselves, not just as allies, but as accomplices. I'd rather have accomplices than allies, as I said. I don't hate white people. I don't hate Americans. I don't hate Native people who've chosen that life. I, I acknowledge it. The, the difficulty is when those Native people advocate against the interests of Native people. And that's what we have here. So... I still, you know, look, these, these guys out in Cambridge, they're still my friends. They're still my family. Uh, you know, I can't understand the Trumpism. I can't understand, you know, the, this, you know, some of their anti-native views. But I, it's not my responsibility to educate them. It is part of my responsibility to make sure that whatever prejudice they and others in that community have to try to minimize the impact it has on the next generation and there are students you know just as we as we close the show i was really proud of what some of the other people had to say the fact that people had gone up there and said look my, my daughter when she left cambridge she was embarrassed by the fact that she had all this indian swag because other places looked at it and said you know that's that's not right that's not appropriate and so this is what you learn. Once you lose, you get out of that bubble of whiteness, you realize that, yeah, you've been sheltered and you've been harboring some, you know, some characteristics that need to change. And it's better to not, you know, have that, these sentiments embedded in our children in the first place. It's not just native people that are harmed by, uh, by mascots. White kids are harmed by it too. Because they are they are taught to view things in a in a socially backward manner. I'll be back to Cambridge. We'll might even be next month. It may go to virtual because of this COVID stuff. But this is um this is something that I'm committed to. I've I've committed myself to other schools, and now I've taken I've taken on this battle at my own school. You can check out. Um, I think I posted a link to the uh, WAMC interview that I did. You can check that out. Um, and you can find uh, at the bottom of that, uh, that story by WAMC, you can find uh, the link to the uh, change.org petition. Uh, any of you interested, you can sign it and you can support uh, the work that I'm doing out in Cambridge, New York. Look, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.